And what a good year it's been. Kelly's mind was wandering. There was the party tomorrow night and her birthday. Phil would be over the next day with a present. She allowed herself a small smile. How she had gone up in the eyes of her friends when they knew she was going with him. Over this year, so many of you have made new friends and taken up new interests. You have extended yourselves, both mentally and physically. What's his name? What's he doing at university? And then later, when the word really got around, Is he really the son of Justice Boyd? He must be loaded. How did you meet him? The funny thing was that he just seemed like an ordinary guy when she met him in a cafe in Carlton after going to a film one afternoon by herself. They'd had a nice little talk, nothing special, and then he'd said that he had to go to a lecture but that he'd like to phone her. Perhaps they could go out. She'd been very pleased, of course, because no one had done that before. All this going out with guys had been happening to her friends for a couple of years and she was beginning to think something was wrong with her. A couple of flies buzzed frantically on the window pane. Kelly watched them settle into one corner and wondered if they were dying or copulating. The headmistress's voice rose and fell like a song, and the flies buzzing droned in time with it, making Kelly feel sleepy. I do urge you to stick with people who will help you achieve your goals. Kelly looked around and was surprised to see the emotion on her classmate's face. A small stab of uncertainty hit her. Suppose she didn't get into university, failed her exams, misjudged everything. She brushed the thought aside. No, she was one of the top students, and so were her two best friends. Liz, Carmen and herself had planned everything. They would support each other, have fun and do well. Everything would turn out. So many strong friendships have been formed over these years at school. Make the effort to keep in contact... The world out there can be a very tough and lonely place. Very tough indeed. So congratulations again. If you're sensible, you'll head off now and have a swim. The students clapped warmly, then crowded around their headmistress for a few quick words of goodbye. There was a general exuberant feeling, even though some were half crying as they slapped each other's backs and clasped hands. Goodbye, girls. Bye, Mrs. Hamilton. Thanks for everything. Party's still on tomorrow, Kelly, someone shouted. Of course. What do we bring? Nothing. Just your dancing shoes. Kelly did a few little steps by way of explanation, and they all laughed. The small group walked slowly down the stairs and out into the hot sun, calling good luck and goodbye. Getting to the beach or into a swimming pool was the general aim for the afternoon. A prickle of excitement bubbled up inside Kelly as she sauntered off with Carmen and Liz towards the main street. School was over. Ahead were holidays, days with her friends, time with Phil, then Christmas and reading what she wanted to read instead of what was on the school syllabus. She'd have to find another part-time job soon, but there was no rush. Her dad was really great. He never pushed her into anything she didn't want to do. When he'd suggested the party, her first response was no. The house was too small and dingy and she wasn't used to inviting friends home. Not, of course, that she'd cited these reasons to him. Instead, she'd mumbled about not liking parties and it being too much trouble. It was much easier somehow and less, well, embarrassing to go back to her friends' places. 
Most of the kids in her class lived either further out in big houses with gardens and swimming pools or nearby in large renovated Victorian terraces with high ceilings, elegant furniture and real paintings on the walls. It wasn't as if Kelly were ashamed of where she lived. It suited her and her dad fine. Just a tram ride from the city and she loved her own room looking over the busy street. But school friends didn't want to hang out in small, single-storey, unrenovated terraces, slap up against smoggy inner-city Nicholson Street, with virtually no backyard and a kitchen straight out of the 1940s. Just the traffic noise was enough to put them off. But the day after Keith had suggested the party, she'd had second thoughts. What the hell? She was turning 17 and leaving school. She'd looked her father in the eye when he'd come in from work, dirty and, as usual, smelling of booze. I've changed my mind, Dad. I'd love to have a party. He'd been really pleased and told her to get anything she liked. He'd work a bit of overtime if it cost more than they had. They'd sat down together like a couple of kids and discussed what they'd buy, how they'd clean up the backyard and put some streamers and balloons on the wrought iron fence out the front. If it got too crowded, the party could spill out both ends of the house. It'd be great. Kelly, Carmen and Liz stood on the side of the road and waited for the traffic to ease. Carmen nudged Kelly's arm. Want a hand tomorrow with the party? Yeah, thanks, if you're not doing anything. Carmen looked at her slyly, a small smile hovering around her wide, pretty mouth. If I won't be in the way. Kelly was genuinely puzzled. What do you mean? You said Phil would be around. Kelly shook her head at their smiling faces. Why did everyone assume that because you were going out with someone, you'd want to be alone with them all the time? The last thing she wanted to be part of was a cuddly couple that excluded other people. Don't be a moron. Carmen and Liz grinned at each other. There was a break in the traffic. Both girls clasped hands briefly with Kelly in farewell before heading over to the tram stop. Gotta go. Here's the tram. See you tomorrow then. Yeah, bye. See you then. Carmen hesitated in the middle of the road before pulling Kelly back for a minute. Hey, just let me know if you're not interested in Phil, because I know about 20 girls who'd like to get on to him. Kelly laughed, shrugged her off, and then turned away, continuing to cross the road. 17 tomorrow. She stopped outside the newsagent to tie up her hair, remembering that her birthday meant her mother would write for sure. The excitement of organising the party had made her forget. She dreaded the way her hands would shake as they'd pull the envelope from the box and she'd see the scratchy, childish writing. Sender Irene Madden on the back. They'd still be shaking as she'd decide whether to tear it up without reading it, as she did with most of them or to hide it somewhere so she could read it later, when the longing and curiosity got too much. At those times she felt like an alcoholic, furtively searching for the bottle she'd hidden from herself, as she'd tear open the envelope and gasp as the words hit her in one powerful rush, like a big gulp of neat whiskey on an empty stomach. Kelly walked into the shop. This time she would tear it up. She didn't want anything to spoil the party. But what if Jason had stuck a note in too? He sometimes did. She couldn't risk destroying those few precious lines from her brother, could she? Kelly took a few deep breaths as she began picking up the things she wanted. Balloons, candles, paper cups. 
The familiar icy feeling was beginning to blow around inside her. She must get on with her shopping. There was so much to do that with any luck, the cold fingers that were poking around her guts would go away. The main entrance to the university was crowded with students. Most of them were going towards the big examination hall with heads down and tight expressions on their faces, madly cramming from small notepads. Others were walking away from the building, their relief obvious as they shouted jokes to each other and discussed the questions on the bright pink examination papers that they held high in the air or ripped savagely, leaving them to lie on the hot pavement. Under the shade of the trees, a loose group had formed to organise an impromptu trip to the beach, another for a celebratory drink at the pub. Phil pushed his bike onto the street and turned to wait for his friend. Oh, the structural questions were easier than I thought. Dave caught up with him and murmured in agreement as he positioned his heavy canvas bag into the basket of his bike. They rode off abreast, slowly up Swanson Street towards the cemetery. Dave pulled a packet of chewing gum from his top pocket. Want one? Phil leaned over and pulled a couple of chewies out of the pack with his teeth. His handsome, even features screwed up into a frown in the unrelenting heat. Phew, forgot my sonnies. Hope the old man comes through with his offer of a car for Christmas. Dave grinned sarcastically. Nah, this is much more fun. It's going to be even better when our tyres melt too. Come on, let's beat this light. They pedalled furiously to the roundabout in order to miss the next onslaught of cars, waiting in front of the nearby red light. Once on Ligon Street, they headed up past the cemetery towards Fitzroy, sweat dripping from their faces. On this flat, wide street, they were able to relax a little. Phil sat up straight, riding no hands, and pulled a small oblong box from his back pocket, handing it casually to Dave.